Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We're happy to have you this evening, and uh, we're going to be talking about winter weather. It's uh, getting cold outside, and eventually we're going to be uh, talking about some of those wintry precipitation events that like to likes to kind of rear its head here in the southeast here, especially in the Carolinas in the wintertime. So with us uh, tonight is Trish Palmer. She is the uh, warning coordinator coordinating meteorologist at the National Weather Service in Greenville, Spartanburg. And if you've uh, watched our show any, you probably remember Trish, but if you haven't, uh, Trish, welcome back. I know recently you got a, a promotion there in the office to the WCM. So before we kind of get into winter weather, uh, tell us about that position. It's uh, I know it's kind of different from going from the forecast desk to doing a lot of more things kind of juggling in the air with uh, with the new job promotion. Sure, and thank you guys for having me on again. Um, yeah, as the uh, warning coordination meteorologist, my job is that I'm now the primary liaison with our external partners, and that means the TV meteorologists, uh, emergency managers, you guys out there in the other parts of media world. Um, I'm also in charge of all of our outreach and preparedness programs. So when you hear about um, severe weather awareness week or winter weather preparedness week or whatever it might be, I'm the one that has to coordinate um, all of those different issues. And I work very closely with our surrounding offices. Um, as part of the transition, I'm no longer actually in the shift rotation, but I still cover shifts because I'm still a meteorologist and I have not lost my love for the geeky part of meteorology. I absolutely love it. That's why I got into this. But now with this, with the promotion and my title as the warning coordination meteorologist, getting to work with the partners and establish those relationships and working with the media and helping to bridge the gap between what we do in the weather service and what you guys and the TV meteorologists do in taking the message to the public. Um, it's the, the whole weather enterprise needs to work together really well in order to effect the proper response from the public. And I really enjoy being that liaison and working with all these different facets of the weather enterprise. You know, forecasting is a big deal, but communicating is another big deal. And you about put half and half now these days with the various uh, ways that we can communicate. And one of those ways uh, that we really want to communicate is winter weather. And uh, it's uh, one that uh, we don't get a lot of storms here in the Carolinas, but when we do, they're uh, pretty impactful. So uh, Trish, uh, talking about the winter weather products, uh, we kind of start with a winter storm watch and then it kind of builds from there. Uh, talk to us about these different products and and what uh, what each product the criteria is for for each of those. Okay, so for a watch, just like any other watch that we might issue, a severe thunderstorm watch, a um, tornado watch. Um, tropical storm watch is what we had this year as well. A watch means that conditions are favorable for these hazardous weather types to occur. And you need to have a plan in place. You need to have, be thinking about what you would do or where, where you would go if that weather event were to impact you. So a watch is basically, we're keeping an eye out of the sky, we're watching the weather. Again, have a plan, make sure you're prepared for whatever happens. So in the case of winter weather, we like to issue a watch anywhere from 36 to 48 hours in advance of the onset of wintry precipitation. And uh, the watch timing with that, we're really looking at about a 50% confidence level, that we're 50% confident that this hazardous weather will occur. As we get closer to the event, we can transition the watch to a warning or an advisory. 
And the difference there is that with the warning, we're looking at 80% confidence that hazardous winter weather will occur. And with an advisory, it's still 80% confidence, but it's more like nuisance winter weather. So the difference would be if you consider snow. Um, right now for the Piedmont of the Carolinas, our criterion for winter, winter storm warnings for snow is three inches. So if it's below that, that would be more of a nuisance event, which would warrant an advisory. And if it's three inches or above, you'd get a warning. Now we do have flexibility with our forecasters because we all know that say, oh, two inches of snow in Charlotte at two o'clock Sunday morning is very different from two inches of snow in Charlotte at seven o'clock Monday morning, right? So we are able to take the societal impacts into account when we're issuing those warnings. So for two inches of snow at two o'clock Sunday morning, eh, probably an advisory. Two inches of snow at seven o'clock Monday morning, you're talking about rush hour, school buses, that's where we would be able, we would have that flexibility to go ahead and issue a warning, even though the objective, the number criteria isn't quite met. So we have that flexibility there. We have different criteria for sleet and freezing rain too. For a, a warning for sleet, we're looking at half an inch. For freezing rain for a warning, we're looking at a quarter of an inch. But again, there's a little bit of flexibility there depending on the impacts that we might be experiencing. And so Trish, one thing is an advisory really isn't a step down, it's still impactful. It just, the accumulations are different than what a warning is. And you know, some folks may see as advisory as, ah, it'll be okay when in fact it's still gonna be impactful to people. Right, especially when you're talking bridges and overpasses, you could still have um, dangerous areas on the roads dangerous travel conditions, even with um, an advisory. Uh, you know, again, going from a watch to either a warning or an advisory, we're going from 50% confidence to 80% confidence. So we're confident that something is going to happen. It's just the scale of whatever that is. So we don't want people to just take advisories lightly. Um, you still have to be prepared and you still have to take precautions. Um, it's just that we're talking uh, the, the, the chances of, say, like widespread power outages and stuff like that would be much less with an advisory type situation than with a warning situation. Right. And uh, Tricia, one of the things that uh, sticks out that I wanted to reinforce is that the criteria for this is uh, it, it's tailored to each area in, in your forecast area. Like, for example, the, the impacts and, and, and the impacts are what matters most. So, you know, what would be most impactful for Asheville is different than what would be impactful for Charlotte and and uh, Greer. So uh, obviously you're going to have uh, different criteria for those areas and and uh, and what and that that's what matters and that's the thing you need to be thinking about is whether you get this lower level advisory but still important uh, or the higher level warning which is even more important that would be issued for your area. Right, exactly. And we all know that the mountains get more snow than the Piedmont does, right? So our criteria for the mountains for snow is four inches, whereas the Piedmont, it's three inches. And the further north you go, the higher that gets. You go for places like New York, you're looking at six or seven inches, maybe even eight inches before they get to a warning because they know how to handle it. They have the resources. Um, the impact isn't as great up there as it is down here. Again, just par partially based on climatology. And something else to think about if you're traveling outside this area is that that criteria will be different elsewhere. If you go into Raleigh, if you go to Philadelphia, if you go to Chicago, uh, those criteria are going to be different still. Uh, 
think about the level of impact when you think when you hear about these advisories or warnings being issued. It indicates how serious the event's going to be. Right. And we have the exact opposite in the summer. You know, down here, we can handle the heat a little bit better than people can up north. So somebody down here may go up north in the summer and that's a heat advisory. Whereas down here, we're expecting heat indices of 105 for heat advisories, but up, up north, it might be more like 95 or 100. And, you know, we Southerners are like, what? I can't handle 100 degrees. But it's different. It's, it's based on climatology and what your body is acclimated to. Trish, the National Weather Service also issues wind products year-round, but during the wintertime, it gets especially breezy uh, across the western half of the Carolinas, and specifically in NWS GSP's forecasting area. That's maybe not a winter weather type that most people think about, but it can definitely drive wind chills down uh, and cause widespread power outages. So can you talk a little bit about the criteria for wind uh, products in general? Sure. Well, we've got we've got the wind aspect and we've got the wind chill aspect. And then, of course, we have the winter weather aspect. So when we have a winter event, lots of times we roll them all into one product rather than issuing a whole bunch of different products. Because uh, as you guys are probably aware, a wind product is handled by one set of products. It's called a non-precipitation warning, whereas the winter storm and wind chill products are handled by the winter storm products. So it can get very confusing. So we often wrap these in together. And so we, we can sometimes tweak our criteria to make it match what the weather is looking at, looking like. Um, and again, just to make more sense to the residents across the Western Carolinas and Northeast Georgia. So for example, when we issue a high wind warning, that's when we're expecting frequent gusts over 50 knots or 58 miles per hour. That's not uncommon in the Northern mountains in the middle of the winter because we have the jet stream coming down. We've got some really tight pressure gradients that set up often. And anybody who's watched the weather at Grandfather Mountain knows it can get very, very, very windy up there. So you'll see those products a lot. The step down from there is a wind advisory. And that's really when we're expecting winds, you know, 30 to 39 miles per hour with frequent gusts over 40 to 45 miles per hour. Again, we have the flexibility to adjust that. You know, it's been kind of a wet season, so maybe we might issue a wind advisory at wind speeds just a little bit lower. We also know that once we get to um, wind speeds that are over 35 miles per hour, school buses have a real hard time driving in that. So we're trying to line up our products a little bit more with what the schools are needing from us. And that's part of the communication between us and those decision makers. So they let us know what they need and we tell them what the weather is going to be. And sometimes it's, it's just easier for us to issue a product based on those more widespread impacts. So when we take the wind and the temperatures into account, then we get the wind chills on top of that too, right? So once we're looking at wind chills below zero Fahrenheit, that's when we're going to start looking at wind chill advisories, wind chill warnings. Again, it's going to be a little bit lower in the mountains than it would be in the Piedmont. But again, we're not going to, during a winter weather event, we're not going to issue a winter storm warning for four inches of snow and then a separate product for minus five wind chills and then a separate product for 40 mile per hour winds. We're going to all roll them into one product and then just outline it there in the in the text. And so Trish, one, one more thing and we'll kind of transition out of the warnings. There is a few more um, that we've not talked about. Uh, and that's it, or one more. That that's the ice storm warning. Um, mm. And uh, we've had those occasionally here in the Carolinas. Can you tell us a little bit about that product? Okay. Well, <laughs> again, this gets kind of complicated with all these different types of products. But we have um, a winter storm warning, and we have an ice storm warning. 
The difference is that a winter storm warning is considered you know, either a mix or a mostly sleet or snow event, whereas an ice storm warning is mostly freezing rain. The difference is, again, in the impacts. When we have snow, we don't have quite as many widespread power outages as we might with a, with a freezing rain event because the freezing rain is accumulating on the power lines, whereas snow doesn't always accumulate on the power lines. The difference is like if we could look back to December of 2018, that was pretty kind of an earlier snow event. So there were still some leaves on the trees that hadn't fallen off. And so we had more widespread and prolonged power outages just because, I mean, the leaves were brown, but they hadn't all fallen off. So there, there, there are some, again, impact-based issues that we're dealing with there. But freezing rain can often be a bigger hazard for travel than snow can, because if we can get the roads treated for snow, um, lots of times the road crews can keep up with it. But ice is a totally different beast because you've got the power lines, you've got the tree issues, you've got bridges and overpasses. Sometimes you can't even walk. Um, whereas with snow, you get a little bit of traction just based on the, the, the snow itself. So ice storms are a slightly different beast. And um, we're happy we haven't had a big one in a while. NOAA released their winter weather outlook not too long ago. Uh, and it all kind of, it, it takes everything into consideration. The La Nina state that we're in currently, uh, as well as, as other factors uh, throughout the year. Can you tell us a little bit about that outlook and how it might impact the Carolinas? Well, the outlook, like you said, it takes a lot of big picture seasonal things into effect. And the outlook is developed by another branch of the National Weather Service called the Climate Prediction Center. And these are folks who are climatologists by training. Um, they have a lot of experience in seasonal forecasting and they look at all of this stuff and they produce this outlook. Now for us, partially because we're looking at a La Nina year, we're looking at more likely we are going to have above average temperatures through the winter season and below average precipitation. Now, I want to be clear that that doesn't mean we're not going to get any big events. If anybody remembers back in 2011, January of 2011, I mean, here at GSP, we had six and a half inches that year, and that was a strong La Nina year. So it doesn't mean we're not going to get any big events. We actually had somebody call the office and said, well, we're going into a La Nina winter. Does that mean we're not going to have any flooding? No, that doesn't mean that at all. It just means on a seasonal basis, the average temperatures will likely be above normal and the average precipitation will likely be below normal. But here on the local level, we look out seven days and we are forecasting for these high impact weather events. And we're gonna issue watches and warnings no matter what the seasonal outlook is because you could still have an extreme event any time of year. Very important to consider when we live in the South here that one snowstorm can bring you double your normal mm -hmm. snowfall in a year. So even though on average, we're likely to see a warm and dry winter, it only takes a one week long cold pattern to give you above normal snowfalls. So keep that in mind because exactly. what's normal is actually not much. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you can actually get a lot well above normal snowfall for a year just because you got one big snowstorm. Yep, and it's really important for for your viewers, your listeners to understand that they need to be prepared for all types of high impact weather. Don't take a seasonal outlook of, uh, you know, above normal temperatures, below normal precipitation and say, yeah, I can let my guard down. No, 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 you always need to have an emergency kit ready. You always need to be prepared. And so Trish, talking about that, the forecast, uh, it seems like, you know, with tropics, we, we get a little sector of that, but with winter weather, we get a bigger sector of seeing these fantasy weather casts that go out 
10, 15 days in advance and kind of show these big monster winter storms developing. But um, honestly, tell us how hard it is to forecast winter weather here and how those fantasy land storms that some people like to post, you know, hardly ever verify. Here. You can find a model run that'll say basically anything you want it to say. And what's the saying that even a, even a broken clock is right twice a, twice a day or even a blind squirrel catches a nut every now and then. So there may be some extreme forecasts out there and maybe somebody gets lucky and it gets right. Um, but the important thing is for people to rely on trusted sources of weather information. So don't just look at one social media post from Joe Blow out there. Um, talk, to, talk to your, you know, you, I mean, you guys have a huge Twitter following and you guys have reliable sources that you tweet and retweet, whether it's your local favorite TV meteorologist or us here at the National Weather Service. It's really important that people rely on trusted sources of information. And in the end, when it comes to watches and warnings, we in the National Weather Service are congressionally mandated to issue those products. And then we rely on you guys on the media side of things, whether it's TV media or internet media or whatever, to get the word out there to the public. I mean, some people will get it through our website. Um, but our interface is more working with the media and emergency managers. So we really rely on you guys to be the go-between between us and the public. So again, we're the ones that are issuing the watches and warnings, but often it's you guys in the media that are communicating that to the public. So that back and forth interaction is really important. And when it, again, when it comes down to some random social media post with some random forecast, anybody can be right every once in a while. And a lot of that is just clickbait. They want people to click on them to get likes or followers or whatever. And there's really no point in scaring people with crazy forecasts all the time. Again, go to your reliable, trusted sources of weather information. Absolutely, know your meteorologist. If it's if you're finding weather information from someone you don't know who is actually <laughs> posting it, it's some anonymous type of weather site, you may want to take that with a grain of salt. Exactly. If it's the National Weather Service, a, a company like the Weather Channel or AccuWeather or a local media meteorologist, those are the ones you can trust, especially if you're hearing a, the same or a similar message from all of them. Trish, uh, we were talking about that. Obviously, winter weather um, gets everyone excited. But there's also some aspects here in the southeast where we could see severe weather in the wintertime. We, we have seen, you know, severe weather aspects. And even when, when you mentioned La Nina, you know, you in the back of your mind, late winter, early spring, you think of potential of an active fire season. So there's other things that we're looking at in the wintertime besides snow, sleet, freezing rain, and, and high winds. Yes. Um, we live in a very active portion of the country. Um, we don't really get a break here. There's not really much of a down season. Sometimes October, early November can be kind of quiet. It's actually kind of quiet out there this week. Um, but certainly recently it hasn't been, you know, we've had a lot of rain and some big, big flooding events. So the, there's, it, there's always something that could be happening. So like you said, I mean, winter, we're going into winter weather. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be tornadoes at some point. Um, February 6th of last year, we had a pretty big event back then, uh, or well, this past year. Uh, we had tornadoes back in January of 2020. So tornadoes can happen any time of year. And again, that's why people need to be watching the forecast, uh, be prepared for anything. And you mentioned fire weather. We've been really, when, 
we've been lucky in the fire weather aspect and that we haven't had much of a fire weather season in the past few years. It's been 2016 since we've had a really big, big one and that was a bad one. Um, so, you know, it, to avoid fire weather, we've got to have a lot of water, right? So you, you, you get six of one, half dozen of the other. Um, but that is certainly a, an issue before the leaves start greening up, the big spring green up as we get into late winter, we still got leaves on the ground. It's not quite as wet anymore. We still got some big wind systems that are coming in that'll continue to dry us out. So yeah, fire weather in the early part of the spring is a big issue. This time of year also in the late fall, it's also a big issue because all the trees are, the leaves are falling down. So it's also always important to be monitoring um, fire weather conditions as well, especially if you need to do some outdoor burning. Check with your local officials to find out if there's a burn ban. Please, please do not burn a brush pile without checking the forecast. I have personal experience with this. A few years ago, our neighbors did not check the forecast and went to burn a brush pile. And they left, um, there was one guy there with a tractor to watch it and uh, it got out of control. And we no noticed more and more smoke. We all happened to be home that day. There was more and more smoke coming by our, our windows. Our baby girl was up taking a nap. And so my husband goes, he looks and there's a fire in our yard. So we actually had to call 911 and there were two different units that had to come out. We had a two alarm brush fire around our house. And then they're, they're first concentrating on a pro propane tank. And, you know, in, in, the, in the heat of the moment, you don't think about it. But looking back, if I had realized that if I had put the two and two together, fire, propane tank, I would have completely panicked. In that case, they got the fire out. But it could have been a devastating situation because our mulch was on fire. Um, it, was, it was very scary. Our little boy was terrified. The little baby slept through it all. But you've just got to be careful. You've got to watch what you're doing and pay attention to the forecast. So Trish, what are some of the sensible safety precautions that, uh, that the public can take? We talk about putting together a, a kit so that you can be prepared, but what would go into that uh, and really tailored towards winter weather? Well, it'll depend on what you're doing and what you need to be doing and your life situation. So if you're, if you're at home and we have a winter storm warning and you don't need to be anywhere and hopefully not, you're going to want to have your standard, uh, you know, a gallon of water per person per day in case you lose power and can't get water, especially if you're on a well. Um, you're going to want to have any medications. You're going to want to have um, non-perishable foods and make sure you have a manual can opener for any cans that you have. Um, you're going to want to have you know, extra blankets and stuff nearby. If you're using something like a kerosene heater or something or, or propane uh, gas uh, fireplace or something like that, you need to be aware of carbon monoxide issues and always have a way to vent the carbon monoxide out. And if you've got a car, the best thing is to have a carbon monoxide detector in your house um, because that is truly a silent killer because uh, you won't, people go to sleep and, and they never wake up. They have no idea, no, they don't know what happened. So again, have a way to stay warm have a way to stay fed and um, have plenty of water. If you have babies, make sure you have plenty of baby supplies with you. Again, your medications, if you are, if, if you need oxygen or something like that, maybe you need to have some extra supplies with you there. If you have pets, that's another thing. You need to have a way for your pets to have water and food and maybe bring them inside. Or if you have like farm pets, make sure that they're taken care of. If you need to be out on the road for any reason, if you must be out on the road, you know, we've got a lot of first responders that have to be out on the road. Um, 
you know, make sure you have a bag of kitty litter or ice melt or something like that in your vehicle. Make sure you have a, an ice scraper. Make sure you have a blanket in case you get stuck. Make sure you have some food and some water. Um, make sure you have a, a snow shovel maybe even. So there's a lot of different things that you can have with you to help you should the worst case situation arise. And uh, it's important to do that in advance. Yes. When, like, for example, current times when the weather's relatively quiet, advanced planning is the key to mm -hmm. being ready when things happen, you know, be them a weather disaster or something else, uh, get ready in advance. That way, for one thing, you can actually secure the supplies. They might be in short supply when we're close to an event and, and you know something bad's gonna happen, a big snowstorm or whatever. Uh, be ready in advance and uh, you know, ready.gov is a good place to go and look for other tips for not just weather uh, emergencies, but also other other kind, kinds of disasters too, earthquakes and so forth. Exactly. And always have your phones charged up. Always have these charged. Um, even if the cell phone networks get clogged up, often text will still work. Um, so if something were to happen and you get stranded, maybe you don't have a cell phone signal, you might be able to still send a text to a family member or something like that and ask them to ask for help for you. But always have your phones charged up. That's a, that's a big one too. Um, especially going into a, into a big event, just, you know, keep it plugged in overnight and just have it there. There are lots of uh, like manual battery chargers that you can get, you can get crank chargers, um, crank radios and stuff like that. So there's lots of different options out there. Well, Trish, um, speaking of winter weather, we'll, we'll kind of close with this um, for those folks who live in uh, Western North Carolina, upstate South Carolina and far Northeast Georgia. Uh, how can they follow you guys? What, what's the best way uh, for um, for our followers and listeners to get information from the weather service there with, with winter, winter weather coming up. Um, I know your website, you've got social media. Where, what's the different outlets they can check out? Well, like I said, our website, weather.gov slash GSP for Greenville Spartanburg, weather.gov slash GSP. That's going to have all of our latest information, the most official information. We do have Facebook and Twitter at NWSGSP. Um, Facebook and Twitter, social media is not an official source of warning information, okay? Um, because sometimes that can go down. Sometimes our meteorologists get overwhelmed and we can't always keep some of that updated. A lot of that auto posts. Um, the other thing is that Facebook algorithms sometimes don't always show you the most recent posts. So we have stopped posting warning information on Facebook because we've had a lot of complaints from people getting old warning information instead of new warning information. So we'll use Facebook more to post precautionary and preparedness activities and actions. And we might use Twitter more for the actual warnings and advisories, those kinds of real time, what's going on right now situations. Um, we love to get reports from people. We don't know what's happening basically anywhere except outside our office. And we have these little bitty windows. We can't see very far. So it's really important for people to tell us what's going on out there. And that, that's not just winter. That's all year round. If you see a tree that comes down, let us know. If there's a thunderstorm out there and it's causing, uh, there's, there's flooding on your road, let us know because we don't always know what's going on at the ground. So get out there with a the ruler, take a picture of the ruler. Those are the best. If you can take a picture of the ruler in the snow and then tweet it to us at NWSGSP, or if you go to our website, there are places that you can report uh, your weather there. Um, we really, really, really appreciate that information because that helps us to understand what's going on out there so that we can then adjust our thresholds. That's all good information. Uh, Trish, we certainly appreciate uh, you joining us and fingers crossed. I, I know I like winter weather. I believe you like winter weather. 
I know Evan loves winter weather. Frank, I know you've had your winter weather in Pennsylvania, so you might want a little bit of a break. But uh, Yeah, I'll take this La Nina winter. <laughs> Hopefully it's uh, at least 60 degrees every day for, for now through March. I'll be fine with that. <laughs> Uh, but for the rest of us who are wanting winter weather, we hope that uh, we'll get some. And Trish, we uh, thank you and, and your crew down at GSP for all you do. I know it's been a very busy year, and um, maybe we can get one or two winter weather events and then let you guys get a little bit of a break. Uh, maybe we can. And we really appreciate you guys because, like I said earlier, we, re we really rely on you guys in the media whatever type of media it is, whether it's television or social media or podcasts and video casts and all of this stuff. Again, we rely on you guys to be the go-between between us and the public. And we appreciate the efforts that you guys make to help in that regard. We're honored to do and honored to help you all out any way we can. And we thank you guys, our followers. Uh, give us a like uh on this podcast let us know if uh, you found this information valuable to you and be sure to follow uh, gsp on facebook and twitter and uh, let them know what you are seeing this winter season so for everyone here at the carolina weather group hope you have a great evening and we will talk to you soon <laughs>